Chapter 34 of Arona, The Hissing Forest Again, growled Jack, his face contorted with impatience and exhaustion. This can all end. My ears are ringing from your incessant howling, and I can feel my colleague's arm growing weary from whipping you. Just tell me which kingdoms are plotting against the princess. The man hanging from the ceiling of the dungeon, his body half human and half ape, was a grotesque sight. His matted yellow fur clung to his skin in patches, and he whimpered in pain as blood dripped down his back. This is too much, Jack, protested Troy, wincing at the prisoner's cries. What if he's innocent? Innocent, scoffed Jack, turning to face his younger brother with a look of disdain. He's an animal. I've caught him lying multiple times already. You're too soft, little brother. I just don't know. I'm not... I've already stopped one attempt on the princess's life. You want her to be safe, right? The light of the flickering torch exposed bright orange blood splattered across Jack's face as he led Troy out of the damp dungeon deep below Newcastone. Much of the city beneath the mountain was still intact. This might be too much. I think... Let me do the thinking, interrupted Jack. There is something big about to happen. I'm close to getting another confession from this one. He nodded towards one of his men, who continued to beat the prisoner as they walked away. Go and tell the princess we need more people working on rebuilding the walls now that the gatehouses are rebuilt. I'm afraid we don't have much time before we are attacked. King Richard's army quickly marched out of the northern gate of the capital city of the Tarox. We've set the city on fire, as instructed your majesty, said General Didier. The mighty capital of the Tronx has finally fallen. The king said nothing in return. The Elden scouts said the trail leads north towards the sea. The larger first moon of Arona started to be visible and drowned the horizon in a pale red as the familiar sound of the northern dusk beetles filled the air. We will march through the night, whispered the king, disagreeing with the horn that usually signaled it was time to set up camp. In the wee hours of the morning, Right about when the second moon of Arona appeared on the horizon, Leifen landed on a large boulder just ahead of Troy and Trendon. Leifen has lost Akat's tracks and said it is too dark now. The trail passes through a thick jungle up ahead, translated Trendon. Your English seems to be getting better every day, Trendon, said Drew. I have no choice. The little fool refuses to learn, and so I must translate. Look! Fire up ahead, said the general, as the army approached the top of a small hill overlooking an expansive dark forest. Prepare for battle. We will ambush them as they camp. Those aren't campfires, said one of the soldiers. They're too big. I think those are buildings on fire. The air was damp and salty sweet, as a thick fog drifted in from the northern sea, obscuring the moonlight. The mood was tense and the soldiers were on high alert, gripping their weapons tightly and scanning the dense jungle on either side of the narrow path for any signs of an ambush. Light your torches, be ready. No one said a word as the army slowly crept through the narrow path that cut through the impossibly thick jungle. This is freshly cut. The Taronks must have made this trail. The northern jungles were infamous for swallowing up men and beasts. Usually, no one dared to enter them. Massive tree trunks were completely smothered in a mess of tangled vines, 
that would grab onto anything that neared them. Gabdanay! yelled Trimble, cutting the hissing vine that quickly wrapped around his foot. Before it could free himself, another vine twisted around his other ankle and ripped him off his comra. Trendon! yelled Drew, jumping off his horse and grabbing one of Trendon's hands. However, several more vines shot out from the jungle and quickly entwined themselves around Trendon's legs and upper body. Use the torch! ordered the general, as several soldiers ran over to help. As quickly as the vines had come, they retreated from the burning flames. Once freed from their grasp, Trendon nonchalantly brushed himself off and remounted his large elk-like comra as if nothing had happened. Look, said another soldier, raising his torch high next to Drew and pointing to one of the Taronk warriors who was suspended about ten feet off the ground and completely ensnarled in vines with only his terrified face exposed. By the look on his face, it must have been a horrific death, remarked Drew, his voice tinged with unease. And there are so many others trapped in there. That hissing sound you hear is the acid secreted from each vine decomposing everything they touch, explained General Didier grimly. Each large tree sends out thousands of these vines, and those Tarong soldiers will make a fine feast for the roots. I've only read about this terrible place in the library of Newdonia. I never thought I'd have to pass through it. Stay in the center of the path! We've entered the hissing forest, yelled General Didier, as he helped pull another soldier from the clutches of the jungle. And move quickly! The path is closing in on us. It's getting narrower by the minute. It's a small fishing village, translated Trendon, as Leafen flew above their heads, yelling. Leafen slashed at a vine with his curved dagger as it shot out at him when he flew overhead to deliver the news. Look out, Leafen, yelled Drew, as another vine from the other side tried to grab onto his eagle. Yanake, yelled Leafen, before shooting a barrage of darts into the vine and quickly pulling up above the tree line. The jungle finally opened into a wheat field pressed up against the sea, and the last of the army barely made it out of the jungle before the path was swallowed up. It looks like normally the only way into this village is by sea, said General Didier, as they cautiously rode on. Most of the buildings were made of stone with wooden shingled roofs. It looked like a perfectly sleepy little fishing village except several of the larger barns or warehouses were on fire and several dead bodies were strung across the dirt road. The king rode towards what looked like the nicest house in the village, a grand stone mansion built on the rocks that jutted out into the sea. Half of the mansion was burnt down and still smoldering. Two small mounds with fresh dirt rested in the front yard. Hello, is anyone here? called out the king as he cautiously pushed open the slightly ajar front door. Drew, Trendon, and General Didier followed closely behind him, their blades at the ready. Inside, they found themselves in a grand room that seemed to have been spared from the destruction of the Tronks. A fire still burned in the fireplace, casting flickering light across the dark yet cozy space. Models of ships adorned different mantles throughout the room, and numerous framed maps hung on the stone walls. There's nothing left to take, said a voice from the corner of the room as he lit a match. You're too late. It's all gone. The ships, their own, everything. They've emptied the warehouses. They've even taken me Sarah and little Rachel. We're not here to rob you. Was a cat here? asked the king. He was, 
He seemed to have his entire kingdom with him. The hissing forest had kept him out until now. I never imagined they could cut through it like that. This is King Richard, ruler of Newdonia. By your accent, I assume you are also from Newdonia, asked General Didier. The rose dawn light started to expose more and more of the room as it peered through the stained glass windows. The old bearded man looked bruised and disheveled with smudges of dirt on his fine clothes. Newdonian, no. English, yes. Forgive me for not getting up, King Richard. I think they broke my leg. I didn't recognize you in the darkness. Plus, it's been hundreds of years since I saw you last. Henry Hudson? Is that really you? gasped the king, quickly moving closer to him. The old man let out a sad chuckle. <laughs> What's left of me? Bring him some Arone. I can't believe it, but how? We thought you went to Nasser in search of your way back to Earth, exclaimed the king in disbelief. Yes, well, it was a long time ago. I went there and I didn't have any luck, and I decided I'd try to sail home, replied Henry. It took me a while. But eventually I built a nice little enterprise here in the far north hidden behind the hissing forest, only accessible by sea. I've been trading and exploring for many years now. You wouldn't believe what I've found. When did the Taronks pass through? asked the king, snapping back into focus. They were just here. They took everything. They are sailing north to the Emerald Islands. What are the Emerald Islands? I've never heard of them, asked General Didier. There are many places unknown to the people of Aroma. I've been exploring and trading with them for many years now. New worlds. Why didn't you tell anyone? asked the general. Why would I? I've gotten rich by having these trade routes to myself. But without my family, I don't care anymore. The Taronks ruined everything. Where are they now? demanded the king. I told you. They sailed off. They showed up with dozens of ships from Castone by sea one day and took control of my village. Then the rest of their army cut through the hissing forest some days ago. They took everything I had and sailed off with all my best ships. And where exactly did they go? asked the king, getting close to Henry's bruised and bloody face. To the Emerald Islands north of here. To the giants, whispered Henry. Giants? We wiped them out centuries ago, exclaimed the general. Not all of them. Some escaped to the hidden islands of the north, and they have been breeding like rabbits ever since. Nasty, savage creatures. I tried trading with them and was almost killed. I hope they murder every one of those Taronks. Come with us, Henry. I go to kill a cot and wipe out the Taronks once and for all. Show us how to get to these islands. And I'll reward you with more than you ever lost, said King Richard. Can you bring back my family from the dead? Henry took out a red-stained handkerchief and coughed blood into it. I'm done, old friend. He took me Sarah and little Rachel, and nothing could get them back. I'm tired. Besides, I've already lived way past my natural life. Kill him for me. I will, responded the king softening for a moment and resting his hand on Henry's shoulder. There are three ships left that can make it to the Emerald Isles. Sail due north from my dock. After the second night, don't use your sails or oars during the day, 
because it attracts the sea beast that feeds during the day. Only sail at night for at least two nights until you pass its feeding area, or you won't make it. A soldier rushed in, poured her own into a small silver cup, and handed it to Henry. No, thank you. It's time I meet my maker. I have some questions. Now go. Let me enjoy this last pipe in peace before I pass on. King Richard said nothing and rushed out the door. Drew walked over to Henry. I just wanted to let you know that there are several places where I'm from on Earth named after you, such as Hudson Bay and the Hudson River. You are known as a great explorer there. Thank you, young man. That's nice to hear before I go to explore the afterlife. Here, take this, said Henry, handing Drew some old folded-up parchment from his coat. I have no need for them now. Thank you, replied Drew. I'm sure you will be with Sarah and Rachel again on the other side. Bye for now. Sire, we can only fit a few hundred soldiers with these small ships, and they are barely seaworthy, said General Didier. Then load up my finest men, snapped back the king. The royal guard and the king will take these two ships. The rest of you I selected load this ship with me and the Elden. All others should return to Castone right away, announced the general. You're not taking your Comra, Trendon? asked Drew. No room. He knows way back home. Go now. Ataga Elden, said Trendon, gently slapping his elk-like animal on the side. Leafen flew his eagle to the highest point of the main mast and gestured for Drew to get on the ship. Once on board, Drew found where the general was sitting. General, do you mind if I join you? asked Drew. No, not at all. You seem to know quite a bit about the history here. Yes, it's a passion of mine. These giants, have you ever seen one? Yes, of course. They used to be all over Arona during the terrible age of the giants. But that was many centuries ago. What happened? When we first arrived on Arona some 500 years ago, giants were mainly used for hard labor and as soldiers. Before that, they had been on Arona for who knows how long. They are an ancient race, explained the general. What happened? Why were they wiped out? Questioned Drew. Well, in the beginning, giants mostly kept to themselves. They lived in the deep, deep forest or in the high, high mountains. Everyone knew to keep away, as they were known to be territorial, very savage, and extremely dangerous. Then one day, a clever queen named Yolteria learned to tame the giants of the Black Forest near her kingdom. She bribed them with strong drink and plenty of fine food. It's rumored she even offered them virgins as pets. Oh. That's terrible, scoffed Drew. Yes, indeed, especially for Yoteria's enemies, which were many. She formed an army of giants and men and started conquering all the neighboring kingdoms. No one was prepared for such warfare. The giants could quickly climb over walls made for regular-sized soldiers. They could also toss huge boulders and swing massive weapons. It was slaughter. Did she conquer most of Arona? No, she was assassinated by her own son, but the damage was done. Soon giants became the most sought-after soldiers on Arona. Every kingdom started to integrate giants into their armies. 
This also started a massive slave trade. Those giants who wouldn't willingly become soldiers for kingdoms were hunted down, captured, and enslaved. They used these giants to build most of the castles and walls of Arona that you see today. Oh, that's why the city walls and statues are so high and grand on Arona. Exactly. The walls needed to be high enough for to keep the giants out, and now they could be because giants were used as slaves to build them. In fact, we used them in Udonia. Not the smartest race, but powerful builders when constantly encouraged by the whip. So, when did it all go wrong? asked Tru. I think it started with King Apote. He hired too many giants in his army. I don't know if he wasn't feeding them well enough, or if the wine ran out, or what. I just know that one of his giants, who he had made a general, ripped King Apate in half and made himself king. Did the giants live longer and become even more powerful with the Arone? No, this was before Arone was really known on Arona. Oh, right. Russo was probably just starting to build Castone then. Yes, exactly. Well, word spread, and then giants in many kingdoms started betraying and killing the kings and queens they served. Even enslaved giants rebelled or were freed by other giants. It was pure chaos. Once the giants took over as kings or queens, they started wrecking and eating everything. How did it stop? asked Drew. A secret meeting was called between all the rulers of Arona at that time. It was decided that the only safe way forward was to kill all the giants, even those who hadn't rebelled. It was terrible, but effective. I still remember the date, because it's a holiday we still celebrate today. So, how did it work? Were most of them killed? Yes, in the wee hours of the assigned date when the loyal giants were sleeping, the massacre began. Shot with arrows, stabbed, poisoned, set on fire, you name it. Giants everywhere were murdered while they slept by those they trusted and served. And their children? Yes, of course. All the kingdoms joined together for the first time in history under the banner of butchery. No giant was allowed to be left alive. Huge bounties were put on the heads of any who escaped, and giant hunters tracked them down. They were too much of a threat to the kings and queens. I just remembered. I think Henry ran into one of the last remaining ones when he first arrived in the lands of the Elden, said Drew. That's right. Or so we thought it was one of the last. It's a foe I never thought I'd see again, nor did I ever want to. They are ferocious fighters with incredible strength. I remember it taking up to 10 or 15 men just to take down one of the bigger ones. I'm worried we sail to our deaths.